what's up? It's your pal, Once You Get Stoticus, and this is The Bar Is Low. Every episode, we take a look at a fanfiction or a collection of fanfictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. This episode's airing on my birthday, and I'm turning 20, which feels kind of old to me, but hopefully not to you, because no damn kid should be listening to this podcast. I remember two years ago, spending the first few hours of my legal adulthood finishing the fanfic that would be featured on the Barslow episode one, because I'm a loser with no life. But before that, there is the fic we're talking about today. I was searching for some shitty fanfic online, as one does even when they do not yet have a podcast, and I encountered a list. I had recently finished watching Avatar, and this was all the invitation. I needed to make the jump into the fandom. Sure, I encountered plenty of other fic on that fateful day, including my all-time favorite, Zuko X Reader, but this one was the first, so that makes it my gateway of sorts. And it's time to give back and finally feature this thing on my damn show. Today's fucked up meter rating is a 10 out of 10 for rape and torture and death. There's only one chapter with sexual content in it and we're gonna knock it out right away, but that doesn't mean we're safe from other fucked up things, because these characters all die a bunch of times or are in some cases left alive when death would be far more merciful. We go chapter by chapter because each section depicts a different way Avatar could have gone horribly wrong. This fic is called Bad Ends after all and I alluded to it a few times during the rewatch episodes I aired in June. First we gotta talk about the writing style and how well this premise is executed. It's been so long since I did a single fic episode that I almost forgot to put this part in. There are 11 chapters and they're executed to varying degrees of success. On whole I do like the writing First off, they actually proofread their shit. Holy hell, the bar is low. And they've got a kind of unique style with how they jump around to different character perspectives, sometimes skipping vital parts or large blocks of time to leave things more open to interpretation. Sometimes the narration can be very limited, staying strictly inside one character's head to their internal monologue, which contrasts how they have the different narratives going on at the same time. The description can feel a little bare, which seems to be the intention in some cases, but I don't feel like it always works. I think it's safe to assume that if something bad happens to a character and it's not really specific, they died. Sometimes fit can also feel redundant. Some parts are just a retread of canon with minor changes and some of the bad ends are more obvious than others. The obvious ones will tend to have little twists to them that flesh them out more, make them more creative, again to varying degrees of success instead of just being like observations. So overall I think the writing style they use doesn't always work or sometimes it works better than others other times. Some of the deaths don't make a lot of sense to me considering how adept at combat these characters are in canon, but then again this is bad ends and you know, shit happens. Alright, I'm gonna go through these and we'll talk about each chapter individually and break them down a little bit. It's been so long since I did analysis on this show instead of just rattling off summaries of shitty porn, so let's go. First chapter immediately had me on edge because it's called Where You Stand. Any veteran listener or possibly even new listener of the Barslow will know that Where We Stand was the name of the fic featured in the What Were You Thinking series, which seriously fucked me up for a long time. And then I talked to the author a little bit, asked some questions and realized that she's a little less crazy than I thought, but there's still some whack shit in there. So yeah, anyways, that's Where We Stand and Katara getting sexually assaulted there. Then this is Where You Stand and Katara fucking getting sexually assaulted. So that sounds familiar, huh? So basically, this is when she makes her little speech on the earthbender prison boat and no one pays attention to her. The warden though, he still doesn't appreciate that. He's not going to be so lenient this time. The prisoners were all broken a long time ago and she's about to find out why. So what does he do to actually punish her in this rendition of events? Alright, I promise the rest of this fic isn't as generic. Again, this is the only chapter with sexual content. 
The warden throws her to all the men who haven't had company in a while and she gets gang raped because Katara's everyone's favorite character to see get kidnapped and raped. We're not really getting the graphic action, we're just getting her internal monologue. It's not meant to be pornographic. The scene itself is handled at least somewhat tastefully even though the premise is totally unnecessary. Like seriously, I've seen shit like this a million times. Sets the bar low for the rest of the fic but fortunately gets more interesting after this. So Aang finds her naked and alone on the bed, rescues her. Damn, I expected him to get some for himself because damn the bar is fucking low but he tries to respect her boundaries because she doesn't want to be touched or looked at right now and he, he comforts her a little bit i didn't like this chapter i mean rape is a harsh reality this could happen but it was just lazy you're not even trying with this premise so many people have thought of this as a bad end before you did so chapter two in which the florida ass swamp motherfuckers kill appa for me hey dude that's an endangered species but i wouldn't expect your hick asses to know that also kind of surprised they didn't go with the more obvious bad end of Aang never finding Appa when he gets captured in the desert. They were a bit early on this one. So Aang uses like the special swamp tree root vine thing vision to see where Appa is, but he's too late. And I learned here that the swamp guys have names. I didn't know that. They're called Do and Tho. So naturally, when Aang finds them and dead Appa, he flies into a fucking rage. These, <laughs> these dumb swamp motherfuckers are like, oh damn, we didn't know he was yours. You can have some of the meat if you want. And then when he goes into the Avatar state, one of them actually fucking says, what tarnation? I laughed way too damn hard at that. My god. Chapter 3 is a continuation of what would have happened without Appa. Basically, they steal some Komodo rhinos from the rough rhino Fire Nation squad and, like, they get caught and that's how Aang gets captured. Sog and Guitar just get killed, like, no big deal. Like, their deaths get one sentence. Basically, it's just like, guards, kill them. And then the guards kill them. And this all happened because Katara wouldn't sell her mother's necklace so they could get a boat. Great going, Katara. Wow. Alright, I'm not actually blaming her. How is she supposed to know that it would lead to her demise? But it ends with Aang getting transferred to Azula. And here's a quote about Azula. Princess Azula was having a good day. And when she was having a good day, it was usually because she had ruined someone else's. This fucking psycho bitch. God damn. I want to say the gang gets away from everything, but this is bad ends. So chapter four. This one made me fucking angry because Jet, fuck boy Jet, he gets his life saved at the price of Aang's. Who in their right mind would trade Aang's life for Jet's even if they didn't really know what that was what they were signing up for? But anyways, Jet's the worst character, that's what I'm saying. So this is Jet's ambiguous death scene, but Katara uses the spirit water to revive him. I mean, I expected the scene with Zuko because she was actually going to use it on him in the show. And even though Zuko turns around and fucks up his redemption arc here, it would have made me less pissed than her using the water on jet fuck jet they don't literally you know he doesn't deserve it then there's the scene where everyone's getting their intercepted mail and there's like a big file on jet about what happened under lake laogai and he's like nah fuck it i don't want none of that shit i want to forget it <laughs> hey there could be important useful information in there you dumb fuck and katara be like oh i can't see our dad Sokka. jet still needs my help to recover and then jet be like hey baby why don't we spend some time together they basically go on a date and jet's like do you like ang and she's like yeah of course i do but do you like like him and jet kisses her and she's like oh do i kiss him back or do i smack him i think a good compromise is like hate sex or some sort of extreme bondage you know when you feel that way about someone but i get it katara you're not ready to go that far yet so just hit him how about that these fools walk into the jasmine dragon and report iroh zuko to the kyoshi warriors and get thrown in the caverns and then zuko joins them shortly thereafter just like in canon but like 
plus Jet. And Jet's all like, I knew it! I knew he was Fire Nation. And they almost throw down, but the final fight with Azula breaks out pretty soon. And Jet doesn't have his sword, so he just throws rocks as if he thinks that's going to do any good. This fool, this buffoon, this absolute nincompoop throws rocks at the Daily, an elite force of Earthbenders, and thinks, hey, maybe that's going to help just a little bit. No! No, it's not! You should have hidden behind your damn pillar and cowered there. You know, especially after Katara wasted the spirit water on your dumb bitch ass. You have to live now so that it'll all have been for something. And when Aang dies, all the statues of the avatars all around the world crumble to pieces. Because Katara had to waste the spirit water on fuckboy Jet and she didn't even get laid. Ugh, I feel like this chapter would have worked just as well if it had been shorter and cut out all the shit in the middle. Like, that's all just cat and stuff, but it adds the teen drama with Jet. We just needed Jet to get revived, Aang's death, and maybe the fate of Jet and the world. But what this author likes about sticking to canon is that Jet's fate is ambiguous. And that was kind of annoying. Like, if he died, that would have made this chapter even more cruel. But I would also enjoy his death because oh, fuck this guy. This chapter is pretty good. It changed things up a little by having Katara use the water on Jet and not Zuko, but too much of it was just a retread of the show. Next chapter, however, does cut out a lot of stuff. It's pretty short, sweet, and to the point. So how could have Suki, unarmed, seriously, why did she go into the finale without any weapons? How did she hijack a whole-ass airship and get away with it? Well, she doesn't. Not here. The soldiers find her in the cockpit and try to imprison her and she tries to run and they're like nah fuck this we ain't getting played again and they just roast her alive rip suki during my rewatch the biggest issue i had was that fire never fucking burned anyone except for zuko wah, wah. but suki gets burned to death here which is an awful way to go like i'm gonna headcanon that fire can only burn people during the comet like, you know, there are two people with burn scars, Zuko, obviously, and there was, like, that girl from the beginning of season two who Zuko and Iroh stayed with for a little bit, but only Katara was actually burned by fire live in the show. And it wasn't even enemy fire, it was just Aang burning her by accident. Like, could I be wrong? It's possible, but I just rewatched the show, took notes on it, so I'm fairly confident that... Fire has a real fucking hard time burning people in the Avatar universe. Anyway, what I'm saying is that my version of Bad Ends would have just been these characters getting torched alive every time they fight firebenders. So if Sugi's dead, that means Sokka and Toph are also fucked because she doesn't swing around to save them. Sokka also gets roasted alive and Toph falls to her death. I think that's a reasonable bad end. I like how Toph's death is written. It's good use of the internal monologue where it sticks strictly to what is going on inside her head. Here's the quote. Blind. Blind, blind, no feeling, no sense of mass or texture or volume, no dependable solidness that whispered to her all of its secrets. No stone, no rock, no dirt. Nothing but heaving terror and cold wind and waving limbs and a dark, dark, empty nothing. She fell, too breathless to scream, and the earth took her. That might be the best character death in the whole fic. Heaving terror. I'm not sure what that means, but I do like that imagery. Chapter 6 is another bad end from the finale, in which... Zuko doesn't intercept that lightning bolt for Katara. And I was so pissed during my rewatch when Zuko was like, Yo, what no lightning today, Azula? This bitch, this bitch was literally asking for it. He's such a dumbass. Like, also, every time I see this line, I'll show you lightning, I think of this fucking awful edit where someone photoshopped in Lightning McQueen over a screenshot of this scene and put ka -chow. 
OP, you're going to hell for that. I hope you know. That image will keep you out of heaven. So Katara goes flying back, but Azula doesn't give Zuko the time to help her. This bitch is like, oh, it looks like I missed. Guess I'll have to try again. So Zuko's like, all right, time to bring out the swords. And they have a real sibling moment where they're like, you're not allowed to use weapons in an Agni Kai. Oh yeah, well, you're not allowed to attack bystanders in an Agni Kai. Just fucking arguing over the rules. I love it. But Zuko, like, actually somehow manages to hit her with her sword. And because he's a good boy, although a fucking dumbass, an utter idiot, he goes and gets the fire sages to heal Azula and Katara. I really don't know why he whipped out his swords or if he could even really kill Azula with them. Meanwhile, Aang, Suki, Toph, Sokka, and Ozai too. They all head in to see what's up. They're like, oh, maybe someone should stay and watch Ozai and make sure he doesn't get up to any shit. But Sokka apparently tied him up real good, so what's the need? And my shitty mind went straight to bondage because fucking porn ruined my brain. Extreme Bondage is the revenge for the Barslow episode 54 when Ozai was really out there sticking hairpins up Sokka's urethra. But anyway, that's a different story. It, it literally is a different story. And they'd be all like, I want to see Katara, except tough because she can't see. Dun -dun 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 -dun. Blind joke. And Ozai doesn't want to see her either. He doesn't give a shit about her. Probably doesn't even know she exists, as it should be. But Zuko's like, hate to break it to y'all, but Katara's dead. And Azula's dead too. I know y'all don't care about her, but I'm just saying and then we get the ending scene where everyone's sad because katara died and i guess this show doesn't end with a gross kitty smooch so that's the upside at least all right chapter seven. Oh my god chapter seven fucked me up i think this is easily the darkest one and it doesn't even have any sexual content in it either they got a little more creative with it then oh ho ho katara got gang raped so the blue spirit and ang have almost made their escape from zhao but one of the archers strikes them both down at the last second they do a bit better of a job securing ang this time starving him for a few days so he's weak and this is where the real horrible shit starts so zhao's just victoriously monologue to Aang like the treacherous scumbag that he is and he has one of his men heat up something that looks like garden shears. Oh, I really had trouble reading this part. I think they went too far. I mean, I understand writing twisted shit for pornographic reasons, but I, I don't even know what the fuck this was. So what they do is one by one, they cut off Aang's arms and legs and they make sure to cauterize the wounds so he doesn't bleed out and they fucking poke out his eyes. I know they're taking precautions so he doesn't escape, but damn, that's just pure fucking evil. And Zhao's being a smug asshole about it too. He's not even solemn, let alone remorseful about it. He's just like, open your eyes. <laughs> I thought you'd like to exercise your powers of vision for the last time in your life. And then Aang is condemned to live out the rest of his miserable existence in a tiny cell, except when he and Zuko are brought before the Fire Lord and Azula wants. And Zuko begs for his life. He's like, oh father, I did it only to make you proud. Oh, just love me. But he gets sentenced to death for his treachery anyways, which seems like a fantastically merciful fate compared to Aang. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, I hated this chapter. Like, man, anyone who's done something like this is somebody in real life, especially to a fucking child, like needs to die a horrible, painful, agonizing death. Like, I'd rather be a sex slave. I'd rather be burned alive. This was just so fucking twisted and not in a good way. But it's not canon. So there's that. That's the consolation. I don't know if it was that disturbing the way I described it, but if you read it, it's really fucked up. Plus his existence in that shitty little cell is so fucking bleak. All he can do is dream about his friends succeeding and fantasize about suicide. It's just fucking sick and depressing. God. So in 
chapter 8 and continues to have his body parts stolen from him, although in a less graphic and painful fashion. And this time he gets his face stolen by Ko, the face stealer, when he shows motion by accident down that fucking spirit cave. And Zhao, oh fuck that guy, fuck that guy. He catches a moon spirit and he wants to have it stuffed and mounted on his wall. First of all, can you even stuff a fish? Second of all, singing fish moon spirit fucking hell. And Zuko, bless his fucking idiot heart and his dumb ass, he fucking freezes to death on his way to wherever the hell he was going when he took Aang in that episode. And Aang also dies and then the Fire Nation wins the war. Without the moon, the tides stop changing. And since the moon is associated with fertility in a lot of myths, a lot of people stop being able to breed. And I guess humanity slowly but surely dies. Bravo, Zao. You brought about the death of your own species. That's the Fire Nation for you. Imagine if he'd taken the ocean spirit too while he was at it. That would have really fucked some shit up. Just one day the whole ocean vanishes. Team Magma from Pokemon are coming their pants. Chapter 9. Sokka's so in character in this chapter, it almost fucking hurts. These bitches are in the swamp, because apparently that's where a lot of bad ends happen, and they find an altar for a spirit called the Dream Serpent. Some people left money there, and Sokka wants to take it, because you know how he is. He's a skeptic who doesn't buy that spirit bullshit. This is a less obvious bad end that doesn't quite line up with canon, like, whoa, there's no Dream Serpent, right? But I thought it was well executed for the most part. He's like, oh, these people left their money here, hoping for a blessing, right? Well... If we use this money on our journey to save the world, that's a blessing. He brings up my exact thought too, like what the hell is a spirit gonna do with human money anyways? So they end up taking it, and the effect of this is that the swamp visions are a lot freakier and deadlier. Like Katara sees her mom, but she turns into a burnt corpse who's like, give mom a hug, aren't you happy to see me in my peeling flesh? I died for you, you ungrateful wench. And Katara starts to feel like she's burning too, and she dives into the swamp water to alleviate the pain, and she just fucking drowns. Meanwhile, UA drowns Sokka a little bit. I don't think this one made as much sense as Katara's death or Aang's hallucination coming up because it didn't really have much to do with water or wanting to clean yourself or didn't really make sense for him to drown. But he does. So Aang sees not Toph but another airbender who's all friendly at first and then she's like ah, everyone's blood is on your hands because you left when the world needed you most and he starts to wash the blood off himself which would lead to his drowning but he remembers the coins and throws them into the swamp and all the blood goes away. But you know Sokka and Katara drown in six inches of water. It's alright Aang. You don't have to be alone for long. You'll meet Toph in a few episodes. It's all good. Chapter 10 is a little bit of a weird one because there are just so many different ways this could have gone and they chose something not obvious at all. The premise is that Zuko and Azula be eavesdropping when Azula tells Ozai to kill his firstborn if he wants the throne and Ozai fucking barely even hesitates. He's just like zap zap motherfucker and kills Zuko. He's, just, he's not even like Azula. Look away. He just, he just kills him right in front of her. Like no big deal. That won't traumatize a bitch. I mean it doesn't really traumatize her. She's just like oh cool lightning and then when her Ursa comes to get her in the morning and bring her away because it's not safe to be around Ozai anymore. She's just like, oh, well, that's not going to kill me. I don't see why we need to leave. I'm not sure if this is unrealistic or if it's just Azula being herself. And she vows that she'll be back to the Fire Nation and reclaim her rightful place. Six years later, Aang's getting out of his iceberg and he gets kicked out of the Southern Water Tribe and he's all alone when he finds the site of the Air Nomad Genocide and he's just like, oh, nomads move, maybe there's still some left. He gets to Kiyoshi Island, everyone's about to sacrifice him to the Unagi monster, but he airbends and the news starts to spread that the Avatar's back. Meanwhile, Azula and Ursa are working at an inn in the colonies 
Damn, I thought Zuko getting a customer service job at that tea shop was bullshit. But, oh man, Azula in customer service? That, no, that can't happen. Impossible. And she just, like, fucking tortures birds for fun. Just to feel power. But, like, she does it when no one's watching. So no one knows how fucked up she is. All the villagers are waiting for her to turn 16 so she's legal, I guess. And she's all like, bitch, I'm a princess. I'd be getting all these sweet-ass gifts if I was at home. But here I got some fucking peasants who want to smash this pussy. Time to catch her the avatar to restore my rightful place on the throne. I already got my fucking honor. I never would have lost that in the first place. Unlike some people who would have if they were still alive. And she leaves. Life is hard on the road, but she just like lies to everyone to survive. And she really out there. She out there though. I'm in that avatar. Without his friends, Aang doesn't have the clear mission to get to the North Pole like he does in the series. Instead, he's heading to the Eastern Air Temple in hopes of finding other airbenders. Even though people finally got around to telling him that they all dead. And when he gets there, it's empty except for Guru Patik. And as soon as Zula gets there too, tracking Aang down by the rumors that she hears. And she kills both those bitches as her ticket back home to the Fire Nation. There are a lot of different ways this premise could have gone. I don't know why Zula concluded that killing the Avatar was how she was going to get home. Or why this couldn't have been Azula just managing to kill Aang in one of her fights during the show. Or why this was about Azula in, in the first place. This could have been about the effect of removing Zuko from canon. Like, this could have fit in with Chapter 7. The really sick and twisted one about Aang getting all his limbs severed. No blue spirit, no one to save him from that fate. I think that would have made the most sense. Alright, so chapter 11, this is the last one. It starts in the middle of the bloodbending episode. Hama's already training Katara, and everyone else is finding the cave with all the prisoners, and everyone except for one dude is just dead and rotting. And Hama's bloodbending lesson is a little bit more R-rated here. She uses a chicken to practice, and Katara's all freaked out, but Hama's like, oh, it's too much power, is it? Would you rather have died like everyone else in that prison with me? And she's telling her about a guy who tried to piss-bend his way out of there, and another woman who'd shoot open her own arm to get the blood inside and how they both died and she was the only survivor like no one walked out of that prison with her because they were all dead so Aang, Toph, and Sokka these fools they run up to Hama and Katara like yo we found the dead body cave and Hama's like that was me and she threatens to hold them hostage until Katara learns the most powerful water bank techniques from her and uses them to stop the Fire Nation. So these two basically play tug of war with Sokka and Toph, which straight up rips them open. There's no gory detail here. I feel like these death scenes aren't graphic enough sometimes, but I also feel like chapter seven was too graphic. They should have spread out all the violence and the darkest shit more instead of packing it all into one bad end. And Hama, she confesses to her crimes, but she don't give a fuck really. And her ghost like haunts those woods. And we don't know what the fuck happened to Katara. Or where she went after that. They don't even tell us a little bit. So uh, that was kind of weird there. So that's the end of the fic. That's all the bad ends this particular author has written. The worst chapter was the one where Katara got gang raped. That was just lazy. And the one where Aang got all his limbs cut off made sense to me. But that was too brutal even for your pal when she gets thought of this. My favorite chapter was probably the one with the airships. I like how they described Toph falling. And that fire actually burned people. And they kind of were able to eliminate the overpoweredness of the characters. Still, even the good chapters were a bit internally inconsistent in quality, but most of them had something I liked too. And as the author says, if you like seeing the protagonist suffer, 
then maybe check this out. I, I don't know, maybe you will like and getting all his limbs cut off. So though, today we covered Bad Ends by Shadow Wasserson. The Bar is Low is on Instagram. You can find us at The Bar is Low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us, you'll know what's coming up next. If you have a fix suggest, feel free to get in contact with me. And if you want to drop a rating or review on iTunes, that'd be real cool. Not going to beg you for five stars. Give me however many damn stars you think I deserve. And as always, I'm your pal, Wenchikis Thoughticus. This is The Bar is Low. Thank you for joining me and that's all for today.